Good morning. It's good to see you all again. Uh, if you could all turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we'll be starting off. And this morning, uh, I want to preach or teach a lesson on boldness. A lesson on boldness. Uh, and before I start, I'd like to pray again. So if you could all just please close your eyes. Lord, we thank you as we read and preach that we can come, or prayed that we can come here this morning and thank you for the rain. Um, and I ask that you be with each one of us, Lord, that you'd guide our thoughts and our hearts, that they might be attentive to your words. Uh, and Lord, that we take your words and not only take it with us, but apply it to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a lesson on boldness. Boldness is something that is severely lacking, I think, in today's era, especially in Christian uh, circles. The world does not lack boldness in the slightest. I think every single opportunity they have, they try to cram sin down our throats. Just look at how homosexuality, uh, drinking, or homosexuality, drinking, pleasure, and entertainment are just given to us on a silver platter and said, it's okay, take it, please come and enjoy it. Where it's clearly wrong, it's clearly sin. And they like to be bold when it comes to that. But Christians lack boldness. We don't stand up for what is right. We do not do, not do what God has commanded us. So that's why I want to take a look at boldness, because I know Christians lack boldness, and I know I lack boldness sometimes. You know, when the Spirit is leading you or telling you to do something specifically, and you think, ah, I'm too scared. I can't do that. Uh, we, we really, really need boldness. Uh, so will you be bold? Will you be motivated to go out and do something for the Lord? Or will you keep to yourself? Will you not be bold? And then it's important to be purposefully bold. Uh, what do I mean by that? <laughs> well, you can sort of accidentally be bold. And I want to use the illustration. Uh, about a week ago, I was witnessing with my friends that are here this morning. And I brought another friend along who'd never been witnessing before in his life. And he told me, I'll come with, but I won't say a word. Because I've never done this before. I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to observe and listen and learn and pray. And I said, that's, that's fine, that's fine. And as we were walking around, I started challenging him to start handing our tracks to people, which he started doing. And after a while, I look up, and I see he's busy talking to someone. And I think that's very odd. Why is this guy talking to someone? He told me at the start he's not going to say a single word. And I go up, and I start listening and he's explaining the gospel to this guy, not, not very well, because it's his first time doing it, but he's explaining the gospel, and I'm standing there just listening and nodding my head, and I'm praying that the Lord would help him. And we finish off, and we start walking, and at the end of our witnessing, we come together, and we, we spoke a bit about, you know, the conversations and stuff we had, and he mentions, he says, I accidentally shared the gospel with someone, <laughs> accidentally. So he was, he was accidentally bold, um, and the reason he was accidentally bold is because he put himself in a position where he could be bold. But it's good to be bold with purpose. Bold with purpose. Um, so before we can get into doing a lesson on boldness, we have to define boldness. What exactly is boldness? And if you look at the Webster's Dictionary of 1828, boldness can be defined in the following three points. So the first one is boldness, courage, bravery, Intrepid, intrepid, intrepidity? Who can help me with this word? In, intrepidity? No, 
You know what I'm trying to say. Um, spirit and fearlessness. So having courage, knowing what you want to do, and doing it even though the odds are not in your favor. Then freedom from timidity, which is liberty. Boldness is liberty. And then the last point is boldness is confidence, which is a confident trust and assurance. So you know you believe in something and why you believe in something. And this you are bold because you know what you are doing is, is right and you know you can trust in what you're doing. I like the second point uh, that the, di- the dictionary mentions, freedom from timidity, which is liberty. And if you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. It is to be free from the world, free from sin, and free in Christ. That is what boldness is. Then also, courage, bravery, and confident trust fit well uh, together. To be courageous is to do something, even though all the circumstances might not be favorable. To do what's right in that moment, even though everyone around you is telling you not to do it. Um, We can act in bravery and courage because we have someone greater than ourselves to trust in. We have God and Christ to trust in. And we have confidence in His Word, in His Spirit, and in His promises. So I want to give four points today on on boldness. And the first one is, God does not always use bold people for bold action. God does not always use bold people for bold action. Uh, If you could please turn to Psalm 104 in the meantime. The question comes up, why would God not use someone that is bold or brave or strong (laughs) to do what his, what his will is. Uh, and the reason for that is God's glory. It's all because of God's glory. See, if God uses someone that's already strong, that's already bold, I mean, He could still use them, but how much more glory would it not bring to God if He uses that person that cannot speak, that is shy, that is timid? That person wouldn't have been able to do it out of their own selves. But because of God, because of the Spirit in them, that person can now be bold, can step forward and be brave and do exactly what God expects of them. Psalm 104 verse 31 says, The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in His works. You wouldn't think it odd if a a muscular, strong man was to lift something heavy. But if you see a little child who's scrawny and weak lift something heavy, you'll raise your eyebrow and go, how did that person do it? And that's exactly the way God uses people that are not always bold to do bold works for Him. And I think very often we think that it's the the job of the bold person to go out and do God's will. You know, it's the job of the preacher. It's the, the, the job of the pastor. It's the job of the evangelist to go out and preach the gospel to people. When the reality is... It's all of our responsibilities to go out and preach the gospel wherever we go. And that God will give us the boldness and use us irrespective of how uh, shy or timid we are. And the more shy and timid we are, the more glory goes to God. Because you're showing that you're not relying on yourself, but you are relying on God. The Bible tells us that He has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. So let's look look at a few biblical examples of men that God used um, in the areas that they were lacking. So the first example is Moses. If you could turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, looking at chapter 3 and 4. Moses, uh, he was once a ruler, a prince among the Egyptians. 
and then he resigned to the back of the desert after he killed someone. He left his people behind. He left Egypt behind. Uh, and he was now just a herdman tending to his flocks. But God calls Moses. God calls Moses from the burning bush. And Moses gives heed to this call. If you look at Exodus chapter 3 from verse 4. Exodus 3 from verse 4. And it says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him unto him out of the midst of the bush, bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Just look down a bit to verse 10. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, uh, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? We see from here that boldness has no excuse. Boldness has no excuse. And Moses makes a few excuses, and we'll look at the other two soon. But as I said earlier, we often point to other people and say, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it because who am I? Who am I that I should go and preach the gospel? Who am I that I should be bold for the Lord? I'm just a normal churchgoer. I'm just a normal Christian. What can I possibly do? But God calls you. He calls you to do something for Him. And the question is, will you be bold? Will you go forth and do what God has asked of you? Moses brings forth, or he, he, he gives this excuse to God and says, I, I can't do it. Who am I that I should uh, do this thing for the Lord? And God answers him. If you look at verse 12 in Exodus chapter 3, it says, And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, he shall serve God upon this mountain. God comforts Moses here by telling him, I will be with you every single step of the way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's the promise we have. God will never leave us nor forsake us. So why, why would we have that argument to say, who am I? I'm just this lowly little person. I can't do anything for God. God is with you. He's there guiding you, helping you. He wants you to do His will. He wants you to be bold. Are you going to be bold? Are you going to be bold and stand up for what is right? Then we see the next excuse, uh, if you turn just a chapter over to chapter 4, Exodus. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. I think that's a good argument to bring up. You know, what about circumstances that are beyond your control? What if every single tract I hand out to someone while I'm witnessing, they just take, frumple it up and throw it into the dustbin? What if every single person I try to speak to, they swear at me and they chase me away? I mean, obviously that, that should be a good argument to bring, to, to not do something for the Lord. What if they don't believe me? What if things go awry? But again, we see that this is not a good argument. This is not a good argument. God says, go. And when God says, go, He will equip you to go. God will not say, go, and then watch you fall on your face, knowing you can't do it. I mean, that, that would be cruel to do. God says, go, and He says, if you go, I'll be there with you. I'll help you every step of the way. You have to bring your part or your side, and I'll bring my side. I will strengthen you. I'll help you to be bold. But you have to take those first steps. God will equip you and He'll help you as He has called you. 
And then we can look at Moses' third excuse in chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Um, just look with me. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made a man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or deaf, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be thy mouth, and teach thee what to say. There's excuse of not being capable. Again, God debunks it here. I can't speak very well. I stutter. I, I'm not eloquent in my speech. And God asks him, who has made the mouth? <laughs> Is it not I? And God looks at you and he says the exact same thing. You, you might say, I, I, I can't speak to people. It's just not in me. It's not my nature. I, I can't walk up to someone. God has made you so that you can be able to do that. Boldness has no excuse. And the Lord once again reassures Moses and says, I will be with you every step of the way. God will be with you. You just have to be willing to answer the call and go. Here my Lord, send me. The next person we can look at is Gideon. Gideon. I'll just read to you uh, Judges uh, chapter 6, verse 12. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> I think that's quite funny if you, you know the entire story of Gideon, how this angel comes up to him. And this man wasn't uh, a mighty man of valor to start out with. He was quite shy and timid and scared, right? I mean, time and time again, he asked the Lord for a sign. Please send me the sign. Please help me with this because I'm not too sure of myself. Um, the Lord calls him to do something, but he is, is scared to do it. And we see that from the first thing God asks him to do. He, God asks him to go into the city he's in and tear down the altar that was made into Baal. But what does he do? He tears it down at night because he's scared that the people will kill him or hurt him or, or whatever. So he, he's obedient, but not as bold as God would want him to be. But we see as, as the Lord continues to show himself, to prove himself to Gideon, that he grows more bold and more bold, and more bold. You have the sign where, where he uses the, the fleece and the dew. You know, the, the ground around will be wet, but the, the fleece will be dry, and then the opposite will happen. And through all these signs, God proves himself over and over and over to Gideon. Till at last we have those 300 men fighting against the entire Midianite army. And it worked up to the point where those 300 men pursued an army 10, 20 times their size, chasing after them. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. Imagine one man chasing after 100 people with a sword. <laughs> I mean, those 100 people could just turn around and, and, and do whatever with the man, but they, they run away. And Gideon and his men are bold because they know they can trust the Lord. They know they can rely on God. God proves himself faithful over and over again. We know that God is faithful and we need to trust that God is faithful in, in what He says and what He does in, in His Word, that we can be dependent on that, that we can stand on God's promises. We can look at Paul. Paul, if you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was, I'd say, a bold man from the start, right? He was zealous, the Bible tells us, in persecuting the church, trying to serve God. Um, but the Lord changed his heart and his zeal for the Lord just went higher and, and he started preaching the gospel to people. 
and being bold in, in, in spite of his shortcomings. 2 Corinthians 12, 12 verse 9 says, And he said unto me, sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When I'm weak, I'm strong. It might sound like a paradox, but again, it, it comes down to the glory of God. It brings God more glory. When this weak person who, who doesn't seem to know anything or be able to do anything, when God uses that person to, to work His will, that just brings more glory to God. And Paul says here that my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul wasn't an eloquent speaker. <laughs> he wasn't this big, wonderful man. He was, he was small and he had problems. He was weak, but God still used him. God still strengthened him. And he was able to accomplish so much. My grace is sufficient for thee. And God's grace will be sufficient for you as you are stepping up to be bold for him, to do what is right in God's eyes. How many of you would jump out of an airplane right now? If the airplane landed right here and I tell you, come along, let's go. <laughs> if you haven't done it before, none of you would probably, well, bought my, <laughs> I can imagine you doing it. Um, but if you haven't done it before, most of you probably won't do it. But if I spend this entire hour teaching you all about skydiving, telling you exactly how it worked, you know, how the parachute works, um, where you'll be jumping from, how high and where you'll be landing. If I tell you, you know, there's going to be someone strapped to your back who'll be pulling the parachute for you, and then there's a backup chute, and I explain everything to you. It'll be a lot easier for you to go out and do this thing. Right? No. <laughs> you still have to do the jump, but you'll, you'll be more assured. There'll be, there'll be more peace in your heart knowing that I'm not just going to jump out of a plane and fall to my death. I know that there's this guy who's going to be strapped to me. I know that there's a parachute. I know there's a backup parachute. And there's all these things in place. There'll be more surety. <laughs> um, and God's grace is sufficient and will be sufficient in every and any situation. You might think that it's too much for me, but God's word encourages us and it tells us it's not. My grace will be sufficient. It'll be just enough for you to do what you need to do. Then my second point, biblical boldness is noble and right. Biblical boldness is noble and right. Please turn to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Biblical boldness is noble and right. Upon telling a friend that I was going to be preaching on a lesson on boldness, they asked me, so are you going to be preaching about you know, witnessing and evangelizing and stuff? And I said, yes, to a certain extent, um, but it's, it's not, I mean, because that's the first thing that comes into your mind. When you say, be bold for the Lord, you imagine this guy going out into the city center and standing on a soapbox and just start preaching at the top of his lungs, <laughs> telling people about the Lord. But there's also another aspect to being bold, and that is to do what is right in, at all times. Uh, being boldness is noble and right, and it is noble because it shows your unfailing all unfaltering allegiance and commitment to your cause. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Why do the wicked flee when no man pursueth? 
because he's always in the dark. He can't see what's going on around him because of his, his sin and his wickedness. And he knows at some point his wickedness will catch up with him. He knows at some point that the sin he's done, the decisions he's made will catch up to him and justice will happen. So he's constantly fleeing. He's constantly running away, even though nobody might be behind him. But it says that the righteous are bold as a lion. A lion is often referred to as the king of the beast because of its strength and power. Who can stand up to a lion? Who of you would be willing to face a lion one-on-one? <laughs> None of us would. A lion is bold because he knows his strength. He knows his power. So he's not scared to just walk around and do whatever he wants because he knows he can take on just about anything or everything. Thus, it does all it does, or it does all its business in the open and boldly because it knows its strength. Do we know our strength in God? Do we know our strength in Christ? Are we bold in the strength that's been given to us? Please turn to, to Samuel, chap, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're reading a few verses from here. Um, someone that is bold in the open because he knows his strength. Does that remind you of a certain character? <laughs> Are we going to now? 1 Samuel 17. You should all know this part of the Bible very well. 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to be reading a few verses, quite a few verses from the chapter, just going through them. We're starting at verse 25. 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. It says there, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Oh, I should probably give some context. <laughs> we have uh, King Saul there with his armies, and they're fighting against the Philistines, and Goliath is standing there, and he's taunting the Israelite army, he's, he's uh, you know, telling them how, how terrible he is and how the Philistines will completely run over them and he's challenging anybody to come fight him because they are lowly and weak. And we have David here who comes up to, to visit his brothers who are fighting and to give them food from his father and he hears this Philistine speaking, he hears this giant Goliath taunting God, taunting God's people. Uh, and this is the, the discourse that follows. Verse 25, And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Talking about Goliath. Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this, the Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David doesn't look at the prizes. He doesn't look at you know, the king's daughter that will be given to him. He doesn't look at the, the riches and, and the, the glory and the fame. He looks at the situation. He says, it's just noble and right to stand up to this guy because he is standing against the host of the Lord. He's standing against the Lord's army right here and nobody's doing anything about it. David just looks at it and says, it's right for someone to stand up against him. And if nobody else will go, I'll go. Because it's the right thing to do. It's the noble thing to do. It's the bold thing to do. Look at verse 29 in that same chapter. It says, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And then verse 32, and David said unto Saul, let no man's heart fail him because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of, of war 
from his youth. Verse 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. Verse 35, And I went out after him and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of that lion and of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. David doesn't falter. He doesn't hesitate in the slightest. And that's such an amazing quality and aspect that he has that, that boldness, just to know this is the right thing to do and I'm going to do it, no matter what, because I know the Lord will be with me. And I know the Lord has been with me in the past, and he just goes and, and fights. Nobody else is willing to go, but this young, young man is, is willing to go. And then if you look at verse 45 of that same chapter, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David is just as this lion. He stands up and he's bold because he is righteous. He's bold because he knows that the Lord of hosts is with him. He's a wonderful example of boldness. Then, um, if you could turn, or I'll just read to you uh, Psalm 71. It is right to stand up for God, and it is noble to stand up for Him. Psalm 71 verse 14 reads, But I will hope continually, and I will yet praise Thee more and more. My mouth shall so, show forth Thy righteousness and Thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of Thy righteousness, even of Thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto I have declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. His motivation is not to bring glory to himself, but it's to bring glory to God. He'll say, I'll continue going, I'll continue being bold for you just to show more glory to you to show what you can do and what you have done in my life and the lives of everyone around us. That is what I want to do with my life. It is right to be, to be bold because God is right. It is just because God is just. It is noble because God is noble. You have a worthy cause to be bold for. Will you go in His strength and declare His glory to all the world? Or will you hide when that challenge comes? Will you not choose to be bold? And there won't always be big moments like David and Goliath. There won't always be this massive thing that comes up and now you have to choose and it's drama and whatever. No, there'll be small challenges. 
Tiny little challenges every single day where you have to make a decision. Am I going to be noble? Am I going to be bold and right? Or am I going to succumb to the world? Am I going to succumb to temptation? Little things like what you associate with. Will you openly watch that blasphemous, adulterous, uh, foul-languaged film or series and be proud of it and tell your friends about it, tell the people about it around you? Will you openly listen to sinful music? Will you laugh when those friends or co-workers tell a dirty joke or say something behind someone's back, gossip? Or will you be bold and stand up and say, that is wrong. I will not be part of this. God says it's sin. Are you going to be bold in those, those small moments? George Mueller said, to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. I have learned my faith by standing firm amid severe testings. And there will be severe testings. There will be temptations that come across your life. But you'll have to choose. Are you going to stand firm or are you going to let it slide? Are you not going to be bold? Uh, turn to First Timothy chapter 6, please. First Timothy chapter 6. We have to stand up for what is right. First Timothy chapter 6. And we'll read from verse 11. It says there, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. You have professed that you are Christian. You have professed, if you have been baptized, you have professed that you are following the Lord. You might have professed with your mouth even and said, I'm a Christian. Are you following through with that? Are you being bold in the way you're living? Are you standing firm in the faith and fighting the good fight? Or are you falling? Are you, are you not doing what you're supposed to? You all know James 4 verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Is there moments that you have to be bold, that you're not bold? Moments when the Spirit is, is calling you and telling you to do something, but you're too scared or shy to do it? That's sin. When you're refusing to do the good that God has called you to do. Be bold. And second to last point, how boldness is acquired. How boldness is acquired. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I see two, two ways in the Bible how bold, boldness is acquired. And the first thing I see is encouragement through reading God's Word or hearing God's Word. Uh, we can go through several dozen examples in the Bible of people that are emboldened by God's Word. God speaks to them and encourages them. You, get, you have Moses, Joshua, the judges, Samson, David, Solomon, the various kings, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, the other prophets, the apostles, Paul. They are all strengthened unto boldness through the Word of God. Whether it be God speaking to them directly, or an angel speaking to them, or them reading the, the Scriptures, they are all encouraged and emboldened by God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 28. 
119 verse 28. It says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. How will you know what his word is or how God is to strengthen you if you don't know his word? We ought to be in the word so that we can be bold, so we can stand up. If you're feeling alone, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you're feeling tempted, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. When you're feeling powerless, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. And I could go on for hours and hours listing the promises of God. We can trust on that. We can, we can stand firm on that because we have God's word. We can turn to this. We have to pump ourselves with a good dose of God's word. Horatius Bonar said the following. He was a, a Scottish preacher uh, about 120 years ago. He said, certainty, Uncertainty as to our relationship with God is one of the most enfeebling and dispiriting of things. It makes a man heartless. It takes the pith out of him. He cannot fight. He cannot run. He is easily dismayed and gives way. He can do little for God. But when we know that we are of God, we are vigorous, brave, and invincible. There is no more quickening truth than this of assurance. We have assurance through God's Word. And we'll have more assurance the more of His Word we take in. And then the second way of acquiring boldness is through prayer. Is through prayer. Uh, please turn to uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Being bold is not an easy thing. Those of you who have gone out witnessing before that have preached the gospel to someone, you, you'll know it is never easy. You walk up to the, or there's this swirling inside your stomach and you're sweating and just about to walk up to that first person. Are they going to take the tract? Are they going to listen to me? It's, it's nerve-wracking. It's, it's difficult to be bold. But we ought to be bold. Being bold is not easy and it's often frightening and difficult. And that's why courage is needed. And that's why people of God turn to God when courage is needed. They don't rely on their own strength and go, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to try. No, no, they go to God and say, God, please help me because I can't do this on my own. I cannot go and do what you've asked me to do in my own strength because I will fail. I need you. And that's why people turn to him in prayer. I'll just read to you Judges 16, 28. It says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember thee, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may at once be once avenged uh, of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson was there, his last moments, standing between those pillars. And he prays and says, Lord, please help me. Please strengthen me. Please help me to be bold. This would kill him and all the people around him. But he prays and asks the Lord, please make me bold. Please strengthen me. He prays. We find this continuously. The kings praying before battles. Uh, asking the Lord to, to help them and, and what will happen. We find the prophets often praying to the Lord regarding the words that were spoken to Israel. And then we have the apostles, Acts chapter 4, uh, from verse 23. We're looking at a few verses here. It says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. So, just context before I go any further. Uh, the apostles are busy preaching. After Christ has gone up, it's the early church. 
they're preaching the gospel, but people aren't very happy with them. The, the elders, the chief priests, the, the rulers, the government, they're not happy with what's being preached. So they threaten them. They tell them, you're not allowed to preach this. We will put you in jail. We will kill you. We will hurt you. Do not preach the gospel. And then they say, shall we rather obey men or God? And this, I think, it rattled them. It might have scared them a bit. So what do they do? They pray. They pray for boldness. And we read their prayer here. Just look again at verse 24. It says, and when they had heard this, uh, that the people had started threatening them, uh, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. All of them prayed and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They ask the Lord, they pray, please, Lord, we need boldness because we're scared. I, I would be scared too. If someone walked up to you and said, if you preach the gospel one more time, I'll kill you. I'll throw you in jail. That would rattle me. But what do they do? They pray. They say, Lord, please give us boldness. Please give us boldness. And look what happens immediately after verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. I can sort of just imagining this, imagine this happening in, in one shot. You know, they, they get threatened by these people, and they say, okay, let's come together, let's huddle up, and they, they pray a few minutes after that, and they say, Lord, please give us boldness. And immediately after praying, the earth is, shake, is shaking, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and not two seconds afterwards, they stand up again and start preaching the gospel. They are immediately granted boldness through God's Holy Spirit that filled them. The Spirit is the one guiding you and speaking through you, that's strengthening you. Again, you should not deceive yourself in thinking that if you are to be bold, you are to be bold alone. No. God is going to be bold with you. He's going to be standing there every single step of the way. The Holy Spirit will be there to assist you, but you need to be willing to yield to Him during these times where you need boldness. If you have doubts or don't yield to the Spirit in times like this, there's a great chance that you could falter, that you could fall, because you're relying on your own strength. Paul tells us, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Are you ashamed of the gospel? And then we find Paul also asking the church at Ephesus, I'll just read to you Ephesians 6, verse 18 and 19, ask, talking to the church now, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known that mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I mean, Paul, we read about... Every, every single town he goes into, he goes straight to the synagogue, he starts preaching the gospel. Paul, who would go up into the marketplace and just speak to people, this amazing man that, that would just preach, 
he's asking that the church pray for him for boldness. He also knew he had to rely on God and the Holy Spirit to assist him to be bold. And then the last point is the consequences of boldness. The consequences of boldness. Firstly, more glory is given to God. Take my friend, for example, who went witnessing with us, (laughs) who accidentally preached the gospel. Afterwards, he was telling his family how he preached the gospel. And I saw his sister, he's speaking to his sister, and she was like, wow, (laughs) I didn't know you could do that. And that just brings more glory to God because this person was bold. He decided, I'm going to put myself in a position where I will be bold. And that points straight to Christ. It points straight to God working in his life. And was he the best? As I said earlier, no, he wasn't. He struggled really badly to to, to speak as he wanted to speak. But he still did it. The gospel went out and God used him. Glory was given to God. Secondly, we see people saved. If you look further into church history, we see the martyrs in the first few centuries living and dying boldly for the sake of Jesus. And that was not in vain because people still got saved. People still were told of the Lord Jesus Christ and of what he did for us on the cross. Look at the various church groups through the ages that stood up for what was right in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, who refused to give in to compromise, who stood boldly for the Lord. And what about the, the, the recent mission movement that was passed where almost the whole world was evangelized in about 100 years? You had people that stood up and were bold and souls got saved. Because of that, because of those people that went out, most of the world, 90% of the world has at least at some stage heard of Jesus Christ before. And that's so wonderful to have people going out. The reason we are saved is because someone was bold enough to come speak to us. Someone was bold enough to share the gospel with you. We see there in Acts how the Bible says to the church was added daily, such as were to be saved. Because... People were out there being bold, preaching the gospel. It's not somebody else's job to be bold. It is your job to be bold for God. Are you going to be noble and right, or are you going to be shy and scared to do what God has asked you to do? I'll end off with the last quote. His voice leads us not into timid discipleship, but into bold witness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can be bold in your name. Lord, I know that we're often shy and scared, and rightly so, because it is scary. Lord, but we can trust in you. We can hope in you and know that our boldness is is noble and right, and it's for the, the worthiest cause there is. Lord, help us that we may be bold in our everyday lives, when it comes to those small decisions, Lord, we have to stand up for Thee and make a decision, be, be right, Lord, even when nobody's watching. And when people are watching, that You'd say, I know what the Bible asks of me, I know what God asks of me, and I will stand firm. I'll fight that good uh, fight of faith. I'll stand firm on His promises. Help us to be bold as we witness to people, Lord as the Holy Spirit leads us and calls us to, to speak to someone, help us to be attentive and to immediately uh, follow, follow through with, with that call, with that request that's made to us. Lord, help us to be in your word, to look at your promises that we can stand on those and help us to pray for boldness whenever we need it. 
Lord, I also pray for the, the sermon to come, Lord, that you'd be with David and also be with us that we might listen to it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.